on this episode of The James Quandall Show. Energy within you that you need, that you're willing to roll up your sleeves and make some changes in your life, then it's there, it's obtainable. And I just want you to know that never give up uh, because someone says there's nothing else they know to do. James Templeton, a fifth-generation Texan, tapped into his fighting spirit and became an over 30-year cancer survivor after he was diagnosed with stage 4 melanoma. James healed himself from a terminal diagnosis with the use of alternative medicine and healing modalities. As a visionary founder of Unikey Health Systems and Templeton Wellness Foundation, James has since utilized his wisdom and experience to help others achieve optimum health and wellness. He's the author of I Used to Have Cancer, How I Found My Own Way Back to Health, and the co-author of Your Body Knows Best. James is now a resident of the Pacific Northwest and dedicates much of his time to living a healthy lifestyle and inspiring others to do the same. First thing, and I'll introduce you before this all goes in with your, your bio and all that. So, But what I want to lead with is how grateful I am to what you do at Unikey because you may not know this, but my wife uses your BioBuilder every single day, and we experimented with all sorts of different products, and some of them work to a degree, but that product has helped her without her gallbladder to be able to eat regular meals without having to adjust as much as she was having to do before. It was It's fascinating. It has helped a lot of people, and uh, I, you know, it's like... Who knows how many people don't have a gallbladder now? So probably millions. So, uh, yeah, it's a big it's been a good product for us. And and uh, my wife kind of formulated it. I don't know how many years ago, three or four years ago. And and uh, we just because she knew the need and and Louise Gittleman. I don't know if you know that know of her, but. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she she kind of wanted to have something like that for her clients more than anything. And then, you know, so, but no, it's been a good, good product and helped a lot of people and just tons of testimonials. So that's, it's been good. And, uh, that's what we want. want something that works. So, and, and for someone listening to give an idea of the state that Emily was in before BioBuilder, she would just lay on the couch after a meal anticipating that her stomach would be in intense pain. Yeah. And she'd be like, well, I really want to eat this meal and it's worth it potentially sometimes to do that. And she would just go lay on the couch. The first time we had BioBuilder, she just naturally went to the couch and kind of was ready and it never came and it yeah. never caused a problem again and it hasn't came back. And so we make our own bitters and she uses those but we also uh, supplement with the BioBuilder as yeah, necessary before yeah. fatty meals. So oh, it, yeah. it's 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 neat. And well, um, that's, that's kind of what concerns me about a lot of people out there that don't have gallbladders, but also people eating these really fatty meals, you know, like, you know, the keto and all that, which are great for a lot of people. But a lot of people just can't can't break it down. You know, they just can't. And, you know, maybe they're low on hydrochloric acid. Maybe they're low on on uh bile you know and and are their their livers backed up and not not producing thinning out the bile properly so you know there's there's a lot of issues but people with digestion issues and weight over 
being overweight and all that helps a lot of those people be able to break things down, you know, along with other things, you know, that they're doing. But, but so it's, I mean, a lot of these people would, would complain about, you know, having a lot of gas and pain and this and that every time they ate anything. And now it's like for a lot of them, it's like no, no gas, no pain, no discomfort. So yeah, it's, it's good. I even take it myself. I have a gallbladder, but, but, you know, it's like, I don't really break down fats very well. I think probably because of, you know, some of the, I mean, I don't eat a real high fatty diet, but, but when I do have something, you know, it's a little more fatty. I, I always, uh, well, I take it every day, so it doesn't, doesn't hurt. Yeah. I actually, I have a gallbladder and I will take it too before certain meals, especially if we're out and I'm eating the pizza as in eating with friends, maybe food. I don't know exactly yeah. what's going to be in there, what oils they're going to have, how it's going to make me feel. I just bring a bio builder or two and then I don't have to worry. And then I can still get all the social benefits of eating with other people because there was a time where I wouldn't do that because I didn't want to feel bad. And I was missing that social connection. Have yeah. you noticed that in your work that we can get too strict on our eating and then we miss out on some of the social benefits of, of, of it? Well, I, I think you can, I really do. I think some people are, are trying to do too much and then, you know, it's, it's including myself sometimes. So, you know, all these supplements and everything that everybody's trying to do, uh, the liver's got to deal with them all. The liver's got to filter through all this and, and it's toxic and uh, liver's on overload. And I think that uh, that it can create a lot of other issues. And, and I think that it, you know, some people are trying too hard, but, you know, in my case, uh, I overcame cancer, but, you know, and I deal with a lot of people with cancer, not, not as a practitioner, but as a, uh, you know, a, proponent of of hope and giving people hope through other examples of people that have survived cancer and have have thrived you know for long periods of time when they were told to get their affairs in order so so yeah i mean it's you can overdo anything a good thing so yeah what was your diagnosis originally was it that you had a 25 percent chance of surviving well, a I, I was diagnosed with melanoma and it was stage four and because it was deep and that basically means it's probably going to deep in the tissue and that means it's probably going to spread to other parts of, of the body uh, usually pretty quickly. But my in my case, uh, I had had the melanoma originally melanoma removed. And when the doctor removed it, you know, it's a, it's a long story and I talk about it in my book, but, and we can get into some of that if you want, but uh, I do. I, I really, I read the book. Yeah. I love the book. You are a gifted storyteller and I would suggest this book. I told my wife, as soon as I finished, I said, someone who was just diagnosed with cancer should read this book because yeah. It gave me hope. I have not been diagnosed with cancer, but I know, as everyone yeah. knows, people that have. And it, it gave didn't give a prescription of do exactly this because we're all different. Yeah. But it gave you a lot of tools and places to maybe look to discover yeah. what you need to do. There's a lot of non-negotiables in this book. 
And that would basically mean that there's things that you just got to do if you want to get well, in my opinion, doesn't mean that, you know, they can't go sit, sit out on a stump somewhere and, uh, you know, uh, meditate or pray to pray to, to God or whatever. And maybe there's a miracle that happens, but I think that in general, people do better. And the book kind of explains what I went through and what, what uh, I would do if I had to do it over again, because you learn things. There's a lot more. I mean, this has been over 35 years ago. So there's a lot of things that I've learned, but I've uh, pretty much had good health all this time, but it's not because I've just set it all aside after two or three years and said, okay, I'm good to go. You, You constantly have to work at things. And and uh, sometimes, like we said, you can do too much. But this book explains the basic things that people need to know about. And and I believe that if they follow this, they're going to have uh, a lot better chance of, of overcoming, you know, uh, what we know as cancer. And, you know, then you've got to also got to deal with the emotional parts and and, uh, you know, the the fear and the, and the, the uh, negativity and everything that that you get from, you know, just when you go to a doctor and they tell you you have cancer, it scares the, you know, the death out of you. And you, you just think that this, I'm, I'm a goner. I did. And, uh, every once in a while you talk to someone and they say, Oh, I didn't know. I knew I was going to beat it. I knew I would beat it. But, but when they tell you that you have a 20% chance, you know, uh, of surviving three to five years, if you can get through chemotherapy, 80 chemotherapy, experimental chemotherapy treatments, and you're only 32 years old, it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, what am I going to do here? You know, uh, it doesn't sound too good. I don't want to hear that. And that's if you can get through them. So, and that's only their opinion based on their experience and what people they've seen over the years. And a lot of the, the guys I saw had been around for a long time. So, He's thinking it's not if it's when, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't want to hear that. I'm thinking I've got to figure something out, but it took me a little while to, to come to that conclusion because the first thing you go through is all this fear and, oh, why me? Feel sorry for yourself. Oh, at least I did. And how could this happen to me? And I'm a good person. And, and, you know, uh, you know, my, my drive, my uh, ambition had just gone down the drain overnight because after you're told this, you're like, well, you know, what's the use? Well, you know, why should I be working so hard? Why should I be, you know, trying to, to, you know, uh, make it on a big level because you don't care anymore. I didn't because, you know, if they tell you that, well, I better get my affairs in order to start enjoying life a little bit and, you know, get ready for the, the, uh, the uh, cliff dive, you know, because that's what, how you feel. Do you think there's a way that those of us that did not get a diagnosis like that can recreate some of the introspection you had at that point of what was important to you? Yeah, I mean, it. you know, the thing about it is back back when I first, before I learned I had any kind of cancer, you know, I was a regular guy. I was living in Texas. I was working really hard. I had several businesses. Uh, I had, uh, you know, a wife, a little daughter. I, I lived out on a farm, you know, it's just kind of like the all American life. I was a runner, exercised all the time, tried to eat healthy. 
uh, didn't take supplements, didn't uh, really know what I was doing, but I thought that eating salads and and uh, very little protein was what I needed to do. I read a few books that talked about, you know, eating light meals and some of them were through the through the day and some were this and that. But I just thought I was on the right track to, you know, I, I love this thing and I would compete in these these uh, weekend races and things like that. But but I noticed how I was getting tired all the time and I didn't have that energy that I'd had, you know, in the past. But I thought, well, I just have to push harder. I'm out of shape. I'm not in shape enough. So uh, anybody that exercises a lot or is competing anything will know what I'm talking about because you're pushing yourself. And when you feel like you're not quite there, you keep pushing harder and you keep working out harder and all this. But I guess I started all this because my father, my grandfather died of heart attacks at a very young age. And I didn't want to be the next one. And at one point uh, after my father died, I kind of give up on life a little bit and and sort of uh, when I was uh, going to college and didn't really care. But uh, I, over the years, I had started to learn about uh, other people that were successful and doing things. And I thought, well, if they can do it, I can do it too. So I've always had that kind of mentality. If he can do it, then why can't I do it? If it's something I think I should do or want to do. So anyway, I'm there and I, I went and got checked out at uh at a uh, heart specialist and well i want to i want to back up for one second because i thought this was i just had goosebumps at this part of your story it was the i think an obituary for runner jim fix yeah and you're like this guy's the guy i want to be and then he died of a heart attack and it's it that had to have been just game changing jim fix was this guru you know running guru and and exercise guru back in those days. And, and, uh, he was a guy that, uh, you know, had this, this, uh, philosophy of you, if you run and you, and you're a athlete and you run and you can eat anything you want pretty much and, and everything will be okay. Well, then one day I thought I was doing the right thing. And I was thought I was eating what I thought was right, but having this, these heart issues in my background, and I read in the newspaper I, one morning and I just about fell out of my chair because here's Jim Fix that had this this uh, perspective of, hey, you know, this is what you do. You'll live to be forever and all this kind of stuff. Then all of a sudden it said Jim Fix dead. You know, I just it flipped. I just flipped out and I was like, oh, my God, I got to get a stress test. So that's where it started. So I went to get the stress test and, you know, I just couldn't believe that here's this guy, I'm doing something wrong. So I go get the stress test. The doctor says, well, everything looks wonderful. He said, you broke the the record on our stress test. He said, you're in tremendous shape. He said, but uh, I would keep doing what you're doing. Just keep doing it. You're doing great. But he said, there's only one thing. You got this mole on your back. He said, it looks a little suspicious to me. And he says, but it's probably nothing. I wouldn't worry about it. But next time you get a chance, go to a dermatologist and have them look at it. And he says, uh, you know, it's probably nothing to worry about. Well, I didn't think much about it, you know, kind of the way he went on about it. So that's when I really started to uh, get more into 
learning about what I was fixing to find out, I guess. And I went to a dermatologist and he looks at it and about fell over and said, oh my God, I think you have melanoma. I mean, right as soon as he looks at it and I was just like, oh my God, melanoma. I didn't know much about it, but he said, you can die from this and we might have to remove a large portion of the tissue on your back. And you know, we've got to get in there and get rid of this. This got to be melanoma. He didn't know for sure, but he said, it looks like it to me. He was jumping the gun a little, but scared me to death. And I didn't know a lot about melanoma, but I'd heard that people didn't do well with it, it you know, in a lot of cases. So I said, I'll see you later. I'll get back to you. And uh, I walked out of his office and I was just shaking in my boots, literally. And I went home and my wife was there and she says to me, she says, well, you should just get another opinion, you know? And I said, that's a good idea. So I go to another guy and he says, basically, Hey, it looks suspicious to me, but I wouldn't worry about it. A lot of people get it and they get, it's not a problem. It's early stages and all that, but here's the guy you want to go to. He says, this is the guy that's the world renowned. He's the, the expert that if you have melanoma, this is a guy. So he was a conventional, uh, you know, cancer surgeon. And, and, uh, but anyway, he was in Houston, not far from where I was. So I went and got an appointment, went to see him. And he says, well, looks suspicious to me also. But he says to me, he says, well, it's probably nothing, but you know, we can just, we'll remove it right now. We'll remove it here in the office. We'll see what it is. So he took a big old plug out of my back. And I mean, it was a big chunk and he, he dug it out and he says, there's nothing you can do. Just go home. Don't worry. I'll get back to you in a few days. We'll get the results and I'll let you know. He said, but you know, I wouldn't worry about it. It's probably not going to be anything. So he calls me up on the phone, but it was two weeks later and I've been dancing around and walking the floors, you know, in my house and not sleeping and worrying because why is it taking so long, you know? And, and, uh, and then he calls me and he says, well, he says, James, he says, I've got some good news and I got some bad news. And it's one of those kind of phone calls. And he says to me right then, he goes, the good news is melanoma. And I said, good news? How could it be good news? He says, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. The reason I say it's good news is because we got all the cancer in that area of that incision. And I don't think there's any, you know, it didn't spread. I don't think it spread. So I think we got it all. So that's the good news. He said, the bad news is it was very deep. And the deep deep uh, tissue that it was down in makes it a stage four melanoma. And he says, that is not a good thing because it's stage four. He said, we got to keep a real good eye on this because chances are it's going to spread. And it'll, it's probably going to spread to other parts of the body. And uh, so we've got to keep an eye on every three months you come in and we'll check you out and do all the testing they do, your lymph nodes and all this stuff. And, and so I did, I went in, I was maybe after this, I was floored because here I have stage four melanoma, you know, uh, and, and I didn't know much about what was going to happen, but it didn't sound good to me. And I wasn't the same person any longer as we talked about earlier. 
and uh, I didn't have any ambition. I wasn't easy to be around. And I went through my three month checkups. Everything turned out okay. And, uh, you know, but uh, eventually I found a lump, you know, there in my growing area when I was taking the shower. And I just, it, I freaked out and I said, I got to go back in and see what this is. But uh, so I went in. I, I was living in Dallas at this time because my wife had left me. Uh, she probably didn't like me, my new personality, my new way about me. But but it was it was hard on me because I was just I don't know. I was just so afraid of what the future was going to bring. So she left me. And uh, here I am after that. I, I moved to Dallas to work with some friends and uh, help run a business because, you know, I was about to go nuts and I knew how to run a business. And I felt like, well, I'll just go up here and I'll work and I'll get my mind off of things for a little bit. You know, I still had energy. I wasn't like bedridden or anything. So anyway, I go back, get it checked up. And the doctor says, well, you know, we need to go in there and see what this is. He said, it's uh, probably nothing. It's probably nothing to it, you know, but We'll go check it out and probably just to be a little incision won't be anything to it. And, uh, you know, you know, we'll start off. We'll do it first thing in the morning, if that's okay with you. And I was down there and I said, I guess so. So I go in, I'm laying there, you know, and they knock me out, do the surgery. I wake up and here comes the doctor in the room and I'm, you know, out of it kind of in the, in the recovery. And he says, well, he says, I'm sorry to tell you. Uh, the cancer has spread and it's in your lymphatic system, in your lymph nodes. We removed all your major lymph nodes in this one area in your right groin, lower groin. And he says, uh, I'm sorry to tell you, this, this is not what I hope for. He says uh, it's, it's metastasized and it's probably going to go, uh, you know, in many other places. And he says, all I know to do is 80 chemotherapy treatments. He says it's experimental and we're going to elevate your temperature. It's called hypothermia treatments. And they actually do that these days more. But, you know, I was going to ask, is that still a common practice? Because when I was reading you describe it, it yeah. gave me chills just yeah. thinking about it. Well, it it is more now, but it's probably a little different because basically he said to me then, he says, you know, we're going to it's going to take eight to 10 hours each treatment. And he says, once you get over the surgery, then we'll start the chemo. So you're going to be in the hospital for a few weeks here. So I was in there. For, I was in there for nearly three weeks recovering from the surgery. And then, uh, you know, because they just really gutted me. And he says, then then we'll try to do the chemo the next week. And then you might have to be here a few days to recover from the chemo and all that, because you'll be probably sick and all that from it. But so yeah, they 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 did this to me. It was really bad stuff because they had to put these weighted blankets and they'd elevate my temperature up to where it was, you know, just below the the point to where you know it could kill you basically, you know. And it was really high. And yeah, I remember just jumping around like a jumping beam in the bed because because of this. And then they would give you this typhoid serum to get the elevated temperature up and then then they give you this drip of chemotherapy and that chemotherapy would last for at least eight hours each time 
So it wasn't one of these where people go to get the chemo in the office and, you know, they sit there for two hours and get a little drip of chemotherapy. This was a whole different animal. But I also had to do this pump on my leg because it was a lymph drainage pump because with that, all those lymph nodes gone, now I'm going to have all this drainage of lymph fluid going into my leg and, and all that. So I had to elevate my leg and do this lymph drainage pump several times a day for, you know, he said could be years that I would have to do this. But he says, if we don't do it, you could lose your leg because of all that, you know, the, the uh, lymph drainage and the inflammation and, you know, the toxicity and all that. So I didn't want to lose my leg. So here I am going to have to do the chemo, do that. And then he tells me then, he says, uh, because he didn't want to tell me, but I asked him, made him tell me, what's my chances here? And he says, well, you probably got a 20% chance of, of surviving, you know, uh, three to five years. But that's if we can get you through these these treatments, these chemotherapy treatments. He says, if you don't do them, he says, you know, I don't know. It's not going to look, not be very good. So I got that, that, that wasn't going to be very long. I was going to be around. I've discovered whether I'm playing tennis or enjoying a day full of competitive chess, that caffeine and sugar highs just don't last. You instead need something that won't spike your blood sugar and cause a crash. I avoid most pre and post-workout products because they're full of added sugar natural flavors, and other ingredients I don't approve of, and they end up making me feel worse than if I hadn't taken them at all. That's why this podcast is brought to you by UCAN. UCAN's products are made differently. Their patented superstarch ingredient has the outstanding ability to provide a steady release of energy without spiking blood sugar levels. Controlling blood sugar is the key to optimizing focus, performance, and recovery. Try UCAN's delicious chocolate peanut butter energy bar, cookies and cream energy and protein powder with 19 grams of protein per serving, or grab the ready-on-the-go Edge Pouch. These products will give you the long-lasting benefits of super starch to balance your blood sugar and provide long-lasting energy for your workout and your day. Because you're a listener of this podcast, you'll get 20% off your entire order by going to youcan.co slash jamesq. That's ucan.co slash jamesq. Give Ucan a try today. Throughout the book, and especially at that point, and, and for anyone listening, I suggest getting the book, and it goes into so much more detail of all of that, and it is fascinating that what you went through and how you outlined it and how vivid you could retell that to a, where I felt like I was there with you. Yeah. But when, you, when they said, this is your only real option, there's nothing else you can do, which I heard over and over again, yeah. That would be said, and I felt like that was like your rallying cry. You're like, "Oh, this is all I can do." Yeah. You're like, "Let me show you." Yeah, is that well, was that how that was for you? It it kind of was. Now, when he first came in and told me, "This is all we know to do," it was like, "Okay, well, I got to do this," and I, you know, I was depressed, really depressed now, because you know the whole process is fear and depression and and anxiety, probably, and everything else with it because you had this wonderful life and now you're, you know, one day you walk through one door and the next day you're walking, walking into hell almost, you know? So this guy says to me, he says, uh, you, you know, uh, we'll start the chemotherapy and da, 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 da. And you got to do all this. Well, I just didn't know what to do. So I'm laying there, I'm very depressed. And everybody kept saying, Oh, it's going to be okay. And all that. And you're laying there in the bed, you know, recovering from the surgery. So, 
out of the blue, I got a phone call. And this is when the magic started to happen because here I'm laying here feeling down and out and all this. And, and here comes a phone call and it was a minister at a church I went to uh, in down in a town called Huntsville, Texas. And I lived there and this guy was an old uh, uh, running buddy. I ran with him a little bit, not a lot, but this guy was an older uh, gentleman. And, and he says to me, he says, James, he said, this is Ron, you know, and, and, he, and he says, I've been praying for you and everybody at the church is praying for you. We've all heard about what you're going through. We feel terrible about it. And I just want you to know right now, he says, if anybody can beat this, you can. He said, don't you even think about giving up on this. He says, you know, I am behind you. And he says, you beat this SOB in cancer, you know. And I mean, he was like, he said that it shocked me because I'd never heard this guy talk like that. He was a really nice man. He played professional baseball at one point and he was kind of a, you know, like a coach almost, but, but he, I never heard him talk like that. And he says to me, he says, uh, you get up there and you beat it, you know, and it just got my attention kind of like I was on the bench in halftime and the coach was getting all over me and everybody else about how we were, you know, uh, down and out, not going to, didn't have that winning attitude that we needed. So, so anyway, it got my attention. And after that phone call, I just, something made me start to pray and I started praying and I wasn't a religious guy. And I talk about this in the book, but I was just a guy, but I was a good person, I think. And I wasn't a guy that, you know, that, that uh, was, you know, praying a lot and asking God to help me a lot. But I tell you what, I was desperate at this point. And I knew that, that this call came for a reason. So I started to pray and I prayed like I'd never prayed before in my life, James. And I felt like every cell in my body was, you know, involved in this prayer. And I never had this feeling before. It was like an out-of-body experience. And whether it was, uh, whether, whether you want to think of it as God, the higher power, the, the God within, I don't know what, it, what you want to call it, but it was this energy. And this, I, it, I didn't hear a voice or anything like that. I just felt really, really high from this, this prayer. And did you, you know, feel any sense of peace from that? Like right away, even, well, even in the midst of all I that? I felt peace from it. I felt like I wasn't alone any longer kind of felt like that. And that was what I said, you know, you're not alone. I just felt like this felt this almost like a, it wasn't a voice, but it was like this intuitive, this feeling of you're not alone, you know, and I, I'm going to be with you, you know, kind of. So I'm laying there and I just felt calm all over. I did. And all of a sudden about probably 15 or 20 minutes later, here comes somebody knocking on the door, on the hospital door. The, the hospital door was, you know, just a little bit open, not much, but somebody's knocking on the door. And I said, come in. And there's, here comes this friend of mine. And this was a friend I hadn't seen in seven years from college. And we were all running buddies and we worked together and went out and partied together and did all these things together. But this fella comes in, he had these papers in his hand 
And he's saying, man, he says, I'm sorry to hear you're here. I, I heard about you. And, you know, a friend of a friend of mine at the office the other day told me about a guy that cured himself of cancer using a diet and lifestyle. And he said, you know, I don't know anything about it, but it was in this magazine. And he said, I thought that you might really um, like to see this. He says, I was driving around the area and this was in downtown Houston. He says, I'm driving around this area and I wanted to come see you, but I didn't know when I should. I didn't know if I should. I don't know if I should get involved. But he said, I had this article and it sounded interesting to me. And uh, he says, I something told me just to drive in there. He said, and I just came beelined into the hospital to see you. And, uh, and that was right after that, probably 20 minutes later. So he comes in, he has this. And I said, uh, let me see this. He gives me this article. He says, and he says, I don't know much about this, but I said, I'm going to do, do what's in this right here. If this guy can get well, I'm going to get well too. He says, but you haven't even looked at it yet. You haven't even read it. I know, but I'm supposed to do this. And he said, okay, but, but, you know, I, I want you to really read through this. Oh, I'm going to read through it. So I started to read this and I found out about this guy. This guy was a celebrity and he was, uh, uh, on a TV show and I went, oh, wow, I know this guy, you know, it was, he was on a show uh, on the A-Team, which was a TV show back in, back in the eighties. And it was about, uh, you know, these guys that were mercenary soldiers and they went out and, you know, were, were doing all kinds of, it was a lot of action and everything, but the guy's name was Dirk Benedict and Dirk Benedict was this guy that, that had what he thought was prostate cancer. Now he never really got this diagnosis of it, but he had all the signs and all the symptoms and everything. So he went on this diet. He, he was kind of a renegade guy and, uh, he went on this diet. It was called the macrobiotic diet. And I'd never heard of that. And I said, have you ever heard of this microbiotic diet? My friend says, no, nah, I don't know any of this stuff. And I think you could ask a hundred people today and they would yeah. still go, what are you talking yeah. about with the macrobiotic diet? Well, and, and I'd learned back then that the macrobiotic diet was pretty popular back then. Uh, you don't hear as much about it now. It's, it's a shame, but uh, I learned that this guy went on this diet and uh, he just went for broke and he had this attitude. If it doesn't work for me, it won't work for anybody else. And I, and he, and he did well. I mean, he wrote a book called confessions of a kamikaze cowboy. So he thought of himself as a kamikaze cowboy going for broke. And uh, I could relate to him. He was from Montana, uh, originally grew up on a ranch. Well, I thought, well, I can relate to that. I had a little ranch, little farm with a few cows. And I said, I kind of feel like I, you know, I would fit right in with this guy's way of thinking. So I got really excited at that point. And I had my friend go out and get that book. And, you know, he found it and brought it back that afternoon. And, um, you know, it was like uh, a miracle for me because I read this and it got me excited, at least gave me hope. And here I'm laying there and, you know, I got three knocks in three days and, you know, from people that were very influential in my ultimate healing, you know, and it helped me really start to see things and have that hope and that excitement within. But the next day, 
I'm laying there in the hospital room and I had another knock on the door and uh, here comes my stepmother that basically raised me. My real mother died before I was two. So I'm here with my stepmother. She's got a book in her hand and she says, you know, I got this uh, friend, uh, a uh, relative, distant relative brought this over, thought that, that it might help you. And it was about vitamin C and cancer. And it was written by Linus Pauling, which was a, you know, uh, a researcher back then. And he was, you know, did a lot of work on vitamin C. And he talked about how cancer patients that were uh, consumed with cancer in late stages, a lot of them were, were on their deathbed pretty much. They would give them high dose vitamin C and as long as they give them the vitamin C, they do very well. They would, you know, it seemed like they got better, started to get better. And then when they would stop it, then they would either die or they get worse. So he started to realize that there was a lot to the vitamin C when it came to cancer. And so I got excited because a lot of these people were even getting well. And I got excited. I said, well, I'm going to do this diet and lifestyle. And I'm going to also do the vitamin C therapy. Because if it'll work for them, why won't it work for me? That's kind of my, that was my battle cry kind of, you know, and, and uh, I'm going to, if it doesn't, uh, you know, uh, work for me, you know, I'll, I won't go down without scratching, clawing, kicking, whatever, you know, I was going to be a fighter. So I got really excited about this and I really felt like I had discovered something. And then the next morning, got another knock on the door. And this was a strange way, the way it happened. But here comes this guy through the door that I'd never seen before. And he says to me, he says, listen, he says, I'm the psychotherapist from the hospital. And he says, you know, I heard you were very depressed and not doing well. And I'd love to come talk to you. Is that okay? Can I come talk to you? And I said, sure. He says, well, I'll be here in the morning and we'll, we'll go over you know, some things. And I, you know, I appreciate you letting me talk to you. So, you know, I, I was excited because uh, of my new uh, things that I'd learned about. I was wanted to, you know, know more and just learn everything I could. So the next day the guy comes back and he walks through the door and right off the bat, I said, I'm going to ask him about macrobiotics. <laughs> and I said to him, hey, have you ever heard of macrobiotics? Here I am, pretty weak and all this. I'm laying there in the bed. And he says, uh, hold on a minute. And he just took off. Like, I thought, well, he's, he's leaving me. And I said the wrong thing. And I won't see him again. Well, he goes and he shuts that door and he comes back in. He kind of looks down the hall and shuts the door and comes back in. And he says to me, he says, yeah, I have heard about it. He says, uh, I've known several people personally that have gotten well using this diet. And I think it's a great diet, but it takes a lot of work. You know, it's a diet lifestyle. It takes a lot of work. It's got, it's only for people that are willing to roll up their sleeves and do it the right way and all that kind of thing. He said, I even tried. It didn't work for me because I didn't have cancer, but he said, I just couldn't stick with it. It's a lot of things I had to do. And I, but I think it makes sense. And he says, you know, by the way, you don't seem very depressed. He said, I thought you were going to be really depressed. You seem like you, like you're, uh, you, you got a lot more energy than, than uh, what I thought. 
And I said, well, you know, I'm getting some hope here and I'm getting excited about some things. And macrobiotics is one of the things. And he says, well, he says, I think you might could benefit very much from this. He says, you seem like a determined young man. He says, I think that if you do it the right way and don't forget, there's a right way and a wrong way. If you want to do it right and go all out, I think it's going to be very beneficial for you. He said, but whatever you do, don't tell anybody what I've said because I'll lose my job. I'll lose my you know benefits and everything. And I, I've been here 20 years or something like that. And I said, oh, I won't tell anybody, right? So he, he went on to tell me more and more about it. He told me two other books to get. And uh, the uh, other books were by a, a doctor by the name of Charles Sadalero which was a doctor that was had cancer all over his body and recalled by life was the, the first one. And uh, uh, living well naturally, I think was the other one, but he, anyway, this, this book. So I had somebody go get that book for me and I started reading everything I could. This guy got well from cancer and eventually he died of cancer, but he, he got off the diet and, you know, that's another story, but he did very well for a long time. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I got very excited and, and when this guy left, I felt like, you know, I was going to beat this cancer. And I felt like if it didn't work for me again, it wasn't going to work for anybody else. And I was going to do the, the diet, the lifestyle, the vitamin C. And I was also going to do the chemotherapy because, Hey, if a little's good, a lot's better. That's how I thought. So I was going to say, give it to me. So when they started the chemo, I told the guy that was giving me the chemo, I said, you just give it to me now. I want to, I want to get well. And, you know, if I have to, you know, whatever, you just, if, if a little's good, a lot's better. So they gave it to me. And I want to tell you something. I was sicker than I've ever been from that stuff. And I couldn't keep anything in my stomach and, and you know, it was awful. But uh, the doctor says, well, you're not probably didn't your body's rejecting a little bit, but it'll probably get better over time, stuff like that. So I left the hospital all excited about things, feeling like garbage. And and, uh, I went and I started to uh, try to get on the macrobiotic diet. You know, I didn't have much energy, but I was trying to eat rice and beans and things like that a little bit. And and then uh, trying to recover because it took two months to recover from from each treatment of chemotherapy, you know, until your body felt like you had the energy to do it again. So, you know, after a short time, I ended up going back to the hospital, and he had to be in there for oh, it was seven to eight or more days because you got five days of chemo and you got to recover a little bit, and then you go home. So I'm in there. And uh, this time they must have doubled or tripled it because I felt just like miserable, James. And I mean, I couldn't keep anything in my stomach. I was throwing up. It was like I was losing weight. I was like skin and bones almost, you know, just laying there. And I was lethargic. And I remember waking up and I was just, you know, I just felt like I was almost dead. And I heard a nurse say, who's been watching his temperature? His temperature is way too high. He could have died in here. You know, we got to get his temperature down. I remember that like it was yesterday. So they started throwing all these 
cold blankets and and uh, ice packs all over me and everything. And I was laying there and they were trying to cool my body down. And I said right then, I got to get out of this place before they kill me. Because every night, nearly, somebody would die in the hall. I mean, they'd be rolling somebody out. And I'd say to a nurse, what's going on out there? And and they would say, well, so-and-so passed away. And, you know, well, I found out later it was they were passing away from from, uh, uh, pneumonia and kidney failure and stuff like that. You know, not the cancer. But I didn't want to be the next one because I was so weak. And I didn't want to get pneumonia or whatever in that state. So the doctor comes in and I said to the doctor, I said, listen, I said, this is making me so sick. And he says, well, your body's not responding like I would like it to. He says, that's all we know to do. He says to me, he goes, well, you know, uh, you know, we just have to keep doing this. That's all we know to do. He kept saying that. And this guy was this renowned doctor. And I said, doctor, I said, I, I, you know, isn't there something else I can do? What about vitamin C? What about diet? What about other things? He goes, ah, none of that stuff works. He just like, forget about all that stuff. You know, and he says to me, he goes, well, I asked him, I said, what would you do if it was your daughter or son? What would you do if it was them in here? Because I could have almost been, probably nearly been his son. He goes, I'd do the same thing. I said, even if it's killing them, even if it's, you know, they're sick and they're not, they're not, their body's not, uh, you know, uh, absorbing it properly. And, you know, you're just, uh, you know, you're, you're, I'm rejecting it. And you do the same thing. He goes, oh, yeah, that's what I do. And he says, I said, even if they, this could kill us, you know, kill me. He goes, well, we're all going to die someday. He told me that right there in that hospital. Well, I'm laying there in that bed all week and everything. I raised up in that bed and uh, I said to that doctor, I said, doctor, if I could get out of this bed, I would tear you apart. That's what I said to him. And that guy ran out that door. I, I said some other things to him, but, you know, called him a name or two. But it irritated me so much that here I am and he's not giving me any hope. He's saying, this is all we can do, and there's nothing else. And I'd heard about all this other stuff. Well, if this is going to help all these other people, then why didn't he know about all this? So anyway, I, I got up uh, the next night and snuck out of the hospital at 2 in the morning. And I said, that's it. I'm not going back in there. I'm getting out of here. I was sick. And I said, I'm out of here. So I left that hospital at 2 o'clock in the morning, snuck down the hall, down the hallway and down the stairs, and went out into my little Jeep I had parked out in the parking lot for, you know, for that whole uh, week. I was supposed to have been there for probably two or three more days. And I just left. And I drove to my stepmother's house and I never looked back. I told her, I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going back to this guy. You know, I just have had it. And, and if it, I'm going to go out, I'm going all out. I'm going to put 150% into all this. And, you know, I'm going to, again, it doesn't work for me. It won't work for anybody else. And that was 30 years ago. Yeah, it's, uh, well, 1985. So it's almost 37 years. 37 years ago. I feel like the the doctor there is doing what he knows. He's doing what he thinks works. He's doing the best he can. He doesn't have you any ill. He wants you to do well. But even today, I hear similar stories today that there aren't other options. Why don't people know about 
other options or that there's other at least other opinions they could get and then they could make their own choice based on that well i feel the same way and you know the doctors are doing what they can do and you know, under their under their abilities and their licensing and you know they they're uh, most of the doctors are afraid to do anything else afraid that you know they'll get in trouble they'll be sued they'll be you know and i understand that and they're they're not uh they don't want to give up their livelihoods and and to do all this and help people but you know what it is when you're when you're with a doctor and you 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 have cancer uh you know they know there's more you can do most of them but they're not going to tell you about it and it's a shame that they can't just say look this is what we have to offer there's other things out there i mean these guys are smart guys that have gone could go through medical school uh, most of us probably couldn't, and uh, they can get through medical school, and they should be smart enough to be looking out, you know, a little bit in different directions, I think, and start to really understand that these people need, you got to give people hope, and there's a lot of things out there that people are doing that have really helped these people, but they've they really should say, I don't have the answers, but there's things out there. Why don't you start searching? At least it gives you this feeling of there's something I can do other than there's nothing else you can do. You know, I guess they they tell you that because nothing else they can do. But uh, and it's hard. Yeah, I just know that it's hard to be on a regimen, the macrobiotic diet, for example. I actually uh, was invited to a macrobiotic dinner a few years ago in my town. And I, I didn't know anything about the diet. We went and it was such a fun evening. And yeah. I learned a lot about that community. But it's not easy to soak your foods and prepare your foods and to chew more than five times. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. it, it's hard to do that. And so I think yeah. they also are thinking, well, this is something we can do for you that you, if you can tolerate the pain, we'll do the work for you. Yeah. And it's hard. These, these natural modalities are, they take a lot yeah. of, a lot of work, a lot of dedication. It does. And it, ha it takes the right person like that. Uh, the psychotherapist said to me, it takes the right person that's willing to do it a hundred percent the right way. And, you know, not do it the wrong way and the wrong way is quitting or doing it halfway. And, you know, skipping corner, skipping, you know, going from one little thing and skipping this and skipping that. And, but yeah, the macrobiotic diet does take a lot of work. It's a wonderful diet. It's, it can really open you up on a lot of different levels. It's so detoxifying. And, uh, back then, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I'd never had so many, so much, uh, grain in my life. And nowadays, everybody's saying grains is not good because... Oh, yeah, the, grain causes SIBO and, yeah. yeah the mycotoxins, <laughs> the cadmium, the, you know, all the heavy metals and everything in the rice and, and uh, other grains, which I don't eat very much rice anymore. I will say that because there are a lot of those issues. But I think the overall idea of the macrobiotic diet was it was so detoxifying. It was alkalinizing, which is very important. Most people are acidic when they have cancer. Um, you know, it helps to, to lower the inflammation in the body, helps the body to really detoxify, the liver to detoxify. Uh, and when you start to, you know, get rid of the excess in your body, you can't imagine how good you can feel. And I mean, you know, there's, there's, 
I still think it's a great, powerful diet. I think you'd be adjusted, but you're eating all these cruciferous vegetables. I mean, we're, we were eating tons of that. We were eating certain mushrooms like shiitake mushrooms on a regular basis, which are very um, good for, for uh, uh, combating cancer. I mean, we're, we basically were going all at it with a diet that had, you know, all these anti-cancer factors in it, like, you know, alien vegetables and, and cruciferous vegetables. I mean, we're saturating our body with this. The grain acted as a prebiotic, all the fiber and all, all the fiber in this diet. So, so that's replenishing your, your probiotics, your good bacteria, your microbiome, you know, that, that a lot of diets, people are eating a lot of heavy uh, meat and, and they're not getting enough of that, but are, are eating a lot of just, you know, processed foods. And I mean, it's just garbage what most people eat. If you ever go to the grocery store, look, look in their basket. You know, I you look in my basket, it's everything's organic, but you look in, you look in somebody else's basket and it's like, I know they're doing it because it's less expensive. It's, it's all these preserves, processed foods, the, the pesticides. And I mean, it's just no wonder people get cancer, you know, no wonder there's so much toxicity and heavy metals and this and that, but the macrobiotic diet is, is wonderful wonderful for that, but it does take a lot of time and you're, you're taking responsibility for your health. You're not putting your health in somebody in a white jacket's hands, uh, you know, and that's what it's all about, whether it's macrobiotic, whether it's a paleo diet, whether it's a, uh, you know, diets based on the autonomic nervous system, whatever it is, whether it's a, you know, a vegan diet, whether it's a Mediterranean diet, whatever the diet is out there that people are following, you know, there, there's it, you, you're, you're, you got to put a lot of time and energy into it. And yeah. And they all have similarities yeah. in the fact that you're cooking your food at home instead of eating out at a restaurant and yeah. you're not microwaving your food. You're using raw ingredients that you can name and identify to make your food. Right. And that is what, helped me to get a lot healthier versus eating hungry man meals and stofers that I used to eat every single day. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, people don't know they're not educated. And, and the only reason I probably became educated is because I had to, or, or check out, you know, and, and, uh, you start to learn and, uh, how important it is to eat a healthy diet. That's the number one thing everybody should do. But if you have cancer, You've got to change your diet, your whatever you've been on, even if you think you're eating healthy. Like me, I was eating all these raw salads, you know, and I wasn't supporting my body properly. And I was out burning, burning the candles at both ends from overwork, over exercise, over not enough sleep, you know, all that. So the macrobiotic diet and lifestyle teaches you about, you know, the important things that we need to be doing for ourselves and, and how, how to replenish our, our, uh, our, our, our immune systems, our, our, our digestive, everything else. And it was, it was wonderful for me. I mean, I followed it to a T for six years. I mean, really strict, really strict. Nobody was stricter. You talked about eat chewing. I chewed my food 180 times a mouthful. <laughs> Can you it's hard. That? It's hard enough to do it 20. Like I try to do 21 times in each bite. That's hard to do. 
150 is insane. Try doing it 180. That's what I, I did. I could because not what imagine. What you're doing is you're sitting there and you're chewing, and after a while you're chewing liquid. And that liquid is just, it's, you're, you're, you're absorbing all the nutrients from the food like that. You know, the, the amylase is, the enzymes are kicking in. I mean, and the, the amylase uh, is, is, is just, you know, going crazy, you know, and you're getting this, you're breaking everything down and you're, you're getting those nutrients in your body is happy. It's, it's, you feel silly. You so feel so good. <laughs> I mean, are it you still crazy, you know? Are you still chewing that way now or no, like what I wish I ha- I did, but I don't I don't follow the diet. I follow kind of a a diet that I guess you could say it's partially macrobiotic, but I eat more protein now. I learn, you know, in my book I talk about how, how uh, my journey, how I met other people that that uh encouraged me to 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 look a little bit uh, outside the box and I was I was uh, doing well at the time, but I was very thin, and I needed to put a little more meat on my bones. And but as far as that diet, it was such a nice, spiritual, healthy oriented diet for me. And you know, I started to believe in what I was doing. And when I started to believe, that's part of that's fifty percent is believing in what you're doing. And eventually, I went and I lived at a community of macrobiotic people where we taught other people how to take care of themselves and how to cook for themselves. And I worked with the master Michio Kushi and uh, worked with him and worked with uh, a lot of his, his top teachers and educators and, and uh, got to experience it, you know, from on that level. And uh, that was, that was probably some of the greatest years of my life because it just was a very special time those uh, few years I spent out there, it was wonderful. The I'd love to to dig in more to that, but I'd really like to get granular with some of the different buckets and just give folks a couple things they could do today in each yeah. of them, maybe things that won't be life changing, but could start to build some on top of what they're doing. And not yeah. speaking to folks that just got a cancer diagnosis, I think. Before we wrap that section up, really, if someone did get a cancer diagnosis, where would you send them to for educational resources? And then let's go kind of talk about just basic steps for for just folks that didn't get a diagnosis to kind of improve their health. Yeah. Well, if someone's going through cancer and we all know someone has got cancer going through it or I mean, unfortunately, Nearly one out of two of us is going to get cancer in our lifetime now. It's getting getting down to that. Really? I didn't know it was yeah, at that level. It, it was uh, one out of three women, one out of two men, but it's getting more and more. And we've got all the, all the, we're bombarded with so much more out there than we used to be. And people really have to understand if they have cancer, you, there's, there's certain things you've got to do, non-negotiables, as I like to say. And, you know, they need to read my book. I think because they're going to get perspective of what you, you know, it's normal to go through the fear and normal to go through, through this, but you need to, uh, you know, talk to your doctor. Cause most of us learn we have cancer through a conventional doctor, talk to your doctor, take someone with you, uh, that can take notes where you're thinking clearly, uh, and get, get, get 
get a couple of opinions on this. Don't just do one doctor says this. And then, you know, like, unfortunately, a lot of times that's what happens. And, uh, you know, read, read my book. I used to have cancer, how I found my own way back to health, because it's going to give you the kind of the ABCs that you need to know about. It's going to tell you the key things, you know, you've got to, like I said, you've got to get on a good detoxification program because everybody that has cancer has a toxic overload in their system. There's heavy metal toxicity, there's pesticides, there's, there's uh, uh, radiation, there's uh, uh, parasites, there's heavy yeast, candida, fungus in their body. There's, you know, they, they've got to, they've got to understand, you got to detoxify. And the best way to start out is a healthy detoxification diet and lifestyle. And the thing about it is, is, I mean, it's just something you've got to do. And you, and you really, no matter what you're doing, if you have cancer is you really got to look at vitamin C, vitamin C, uh, IV therapy is very, very important in my view, because vitamin C, you know, as we like to say, kind of like takes care of three birds with one stone, three or four birds with one stone. We'll just say that. I won't say, uh, but the thing about it is vitamin C is so powerful because, uh, there it it stops cancer from spreading if you if you saturate your body you know we can have a tumor but if that tumor doesn't spread the way it's supposed to you know like normally will spread because you didn't make any changes you're not doing you're just wearing your immune system down sometimes with some of the other treatments but you want to take vitamin c because it's going to it's going to increase the uh strength of your collagen cancer is a collagen disease there was research done by Dr. Linus Pauling, Dr. Rath, Matthias Rath, and they discovered that when people took high dose of vitamin C, along with lysine, uh, the amino acid lysine, amino acid proline, and, and a green tea extract, EGCG, when they took this with a 15-year study, they found that the majority of these cancers, they tested with a lot of different cancer people, the majority of these cancers did not spread, you know, after this 15-year study of people using this, this matrix of, of, and this was oral, taking it orally. Yeah, and that's, that's nothing compared to the IV because no. you, do it, you do it orally, you're, you can only absorb so much through your gut. You yeah. got it. IV is so much more effective. I mean, you can take, they say, I haven't seen anybody do that much, but they say you can take up to 100,000 milligrams a day without any issues. I take 50,000 milligrams to this day uh, from time to time. Uh, usually people start out with 25 and work up to 50, but the worst thing can happen with vitamin C is you get the runs, you know, you get diarrhea and, 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 and vitamin C is wonderful because uh, of that fact. And it's also has a very similar molecular structure to glucose or sugar that, that cancer cells feed off of. And cancer cells, really, if you're on a diet that's sugar-free or really low in sugar, you know, a low, low rate of sugar, then the cancer cells are going to start to look, look for sugar and they can't find it. Well, if your system's saturated with vitamin C, it'll go after that vitamin C because it, it gets uh, introduced to the vitamin C 
and they start to absorb that. And then you start to uh, cause apoptosis, which is an explosion of the cancer cells. They just blow up, basically die. So that's very important. Also, the more vitamin C you put in your body, the higher amounts of uh, hydrogen peroxide production you have. Because along with iron and copper, you're producing hydrogen peroxide at a lot higher level. And, and cancer does not like oxygen, does not like hydrogen peroxide. And I mean, that's, that's, that's a real, real important thing with vitamin C. And uh, I, I just think that anybody that's got cancer should be, that's like a healthy chemotherapy in my view. And uh, I've talked to so many people with cancer now, interviewed people, and the majority of these people that have done so well started out using vitamin C, IV drips, vitamin C orally. Uh, but, uh, but the lysine and the proline, proline is, they're very helpful for building up the collagen also. But lysine has a unbelievable uh, thing about it that it kills what they call nagalase. And lysine is, uh, kills nagalase, which is a enzyme that cancer cells produce that enable those cancer cells to bore through the connective tissue or through the, you know, collagen layers and get into other organs. And, and then you start getting the inflammation in those areas. And that's what really does people in. So it's very important to, in my view, is to take vitamin C, lysine, proline, on a high amount, uh, high levels, like uh, I talk about it in my book, the levels that that were in this study. But uh, you know, you just gotta gotta know about this because uh, there's a lot of weapons you can take with you when you're battling cancer. But vitamin C is at the top of the list, and uh, some of the other things. I mean, there's things out there that you hear people talk about a lot, but uh, curcumin is very helpful, helps with inflammation. Curcumin is basically, has been shown to kill cancer stem cells, which are really kind of the root of the cancer. So you wanna start to go after that and you wanna take uh, you know, a certain amount of, of, uh, of that also. You know, it's not just one little pill, you gotta do your homework. And uh, you know, I, can, I talk about it in my book, but I don't want to sit here and tell everybody what to do because with that, because they need to work with someone or really do their research so that they, they know, but curcumin berberine is a, is a good one. And a quercetin, which is what a lot of people now are taking quercetin for COVID-19 prevention, but quercetin at higher levels, berberine and, uh, and, uh, and curcumin, are very, very helpful. Those are very key uh, things to be taking. You want to take extra probiotics, you know, because up to 80% or more of our, probably around that or so is our immunity is from our gut health, our gut flora, our, our microbiome. It's very important. And a lot of people have been on a lot of antibiotics and all this stuff and, you know, just stripped their whole their probiotics are down the drain and they really need to build this up. And that's what hopefully a healthy diet with lots of fiber will help also on that end. But uh, the, the thing about I like a lot is, is uh, thymus gland extracts to help build up the thymus. The thymus is 
is your kind of your immune gland. You know, people sometimes beat right here where your thymus gland, but that's the, that's the uh, very important. And that's where a lot of the white blood cell production is, is created in the thymus. And that's, that's a great thing. And it stores a lot of the uh, white blood cells. Also the spleen is very important. Spleen is your largest lymphatic organ uh, uh, in the, in the body. Uh, it's like uh lymphatic organ and it and it stores and it also helps to filter the blood helps you know the toxins and helps along with the liver but the spleen is important that thymus uh the the next thing i really like a lot is uh, enzymes digestive enzyme pancreatic enzymes because pancreatic enzymes uh high dose vitamin uh pancreatic enzymes are very important because they helped. That's one of your body's biggest defense against cancer. Enzymes are, and the pancreas, a lot of times, gets low on pancreatic enzymes because we're eating too many, too much red meat, too many things like that that are harder and animal protein harder to break down. So uh, the enzymes that are produced in the pancreas, like trypsin, chymotrypsin, those are important enzymes, but they're depleted. And as we get older, our enzyme bank, I like to call it, are depleted at levels to where they can't do the job. So anybody, just for prevention even, should be taking enzymes with their food to help assimilate and break down the foods. And it doesn't, when you're taking enzymes in that nature, it is it just assist, does it assist or will, could it eventually make it so then it, it's not producing as much anymore because you're taking them. No, it, it just assists basically because uh, the, the the pancreas will be able to catch a breath kind of and, and start to produce again. But as, you know, as we get older, people don't produce enough of a lot of things, you know, like HCL and things like that, hydrochloric acid. So, you know, we have to supplement a lot of these things. But the thing about it is, is the enzymes now taking it high dosage is, you know, like there was a doctor back in the early 1900s, Dr. John Beard, which uh, did a lot of work with enzymes and uh, there and, and discovered a lot of the, the properties that really help, uh, especially with cancer and things like that. But then there was a doctor, William Donald Kelly, that did a lot of work with pancreatic cancer uh, especially he had pancreatic cancer and he used them because, uh, to help heal himself from cancer. Then he started working with a lot of people to help. So ultimately Nicholas Gonzalez, Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez, that, uh, many people have probably heard of, he passed away a few years ago, but, uh, he did a lot of work and he basically, uh, was, uh, a protege of Dr. William Donald Kelly and learned his system and his one of his main things that he uses is pancreatic enzyme. And he uses some people take up to 100 a day of enzymes spread out, you know, between meals, because um, what what happens is when you take all these enzymes, it starts to strip that fibrinogen layer cancer cells after they've been in our body. We all have cancer cells in our body. And uh, as we get our immune system gets a little bit weaker and our toxicity level gets higher and our, you know, maybe we have other things going on, which we can get into. But the thing about it is, is when you have all this toxicity 
and the immune system just can't do its job, the cancer cells start to thrive more. So the longer they're existent, not get killed off by our immune system and our enzymes that we naturally have, uh, then uh, they start to form a fibrinogen layer. It's almost like a, uh, 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 it's, it's uh, like a sticky, gluey layer. It's almost like the mucosal lining in our body. So it's, it's kind of like that's fibrinogen. So it's a protein and these enzymes start high mounts, go after that protein of those cancer cells, start to strip that layer out. Now the immune system can, can uh, uh, recognize what it is because it looks to them, it looks foreign. And now the, the immune system goes after it, starts to destroy the cancer cells. So that's a big part. It just starts to really kill off the cancer cells. And, uh, but that's high dose on a regular basis. And, you know, people really need to work with someone if they're going to start, just go out and start taking off and get the right enzyme, get the right, you know, uh, plan going forward. But the enzymes are really. Where would you, where would you send someone to get the right plan though? Cause that, well, that's. If somebody really wants to get into the enzymes and into this kind of work, uh, the doctor that took over Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez, uh, basic kind of work. And it's not called the Gonzalez protocol, but her, her name is Dr. Linda Isaacs and she's down, she's in Austin, Texas. And, uh, she works with people and, and with cancer. But I know that if people are really willing to roll up their sleeves and do what it takes, uh, I'm sure she'd be glad to talk with them, but, uh, she, she is, she worked with, uh, Gonzalez for like 25 years and uh, you know, as his kind of right arm doctor. And so she's taken over his, his work. There might be others out there now, but that's one I know of. I've interviewed her on my site, Templeton Wellness. And uh, I think she could steer you in the right direction. With the, and what are you doing over there at Templeton Wellness Foundation? So how does that well, connect to all Templeton of this? Templeton Wellness is is kind of my my new uh, uh, foundation I created about three years ago, and I got tired of seeing my friends, my family, my colleagues get cancer, and many of them die. And I and I it had been over thirty years for me, and I said, you know, maybe I should just get my story out there more. Maybe I can help people more, give them hope. And so I created the Templeton Wellness Foundation. So what I do on the Templeton Wellness Foundation is I interview uh, late stage, in most cases, late stage cancer uh, survivors that have overcome cancer, uh, pancreatic, the, some of the worst can pancreatics, about as rough as it gets, uh, that have overcome these, these uh, hard to uh, cure cancers and are doing are either doing really well with it and have survived for you know a lot of them 10 20 30 years like myself and they tell us what they did they tell us the things that they have gone through and what they have discovered and then i interview doctors like dr isaacs i interview other doctors uh that are a lot of them are are uh, renowned doctors from different countries i interview those doctors and they tell us what they do and they tell us, uh, you know, how people can get a hold of them, and and because uh, people really need to to look at these and 
they'll know when it's the right thing. They'll know when they're making the right decision within their heart, you know, that, that uh, it's hard for me or anybody else to say, this is what you need to do because everybody's uniquely different. And some people need to be on different diets. And that's why I like uh, the, the, uh, the protocol that uh, William Donald Kelly, Dr. William Donald Kelly uh, created because it individualizes each diet for each person based on their autonomic nervous system, based on their what they call parasympathetic or sympathetic dominance, and based on, you know, there's, there's a lot of in-betweens there. And then they get them on a nutritional diet protocol and a supplement diet, you know, supplemental protocol, you know, like the enzymes and, and like, uh, you know, a lot of different things. And people would take a lot of uh, nutritional supplements with their program. But I've heard nothing but good things as long as people stick with the program. And that's why I think if you if you can make up your mind that you will really stick with something, kind of like I always say, if it doesn't work for me, it won't work for anybody else mentality, then those people would love to hear from you, I'm sure. But that's 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 the thing I would do. And then you want to go in through your house if you've got cancer. And a lot of these things, if you want to prevent cancer, you should do smaller amounts of this stuff, you know, and you really should on a regular basis. And you really should clean up your house, go through it, get rid of all the toxic stuff in your house, get rid of toxic cleaners, get rid of toxic soaps, get rid of, you know, uh, anything in the house. Don't sleep next to electrical plug. Don't use your cell phone as an alarm clock. You know, don't, don't, Think, you know, well, I'll just live the same way and I'll do this, not two or three things and get well or prevent cancer is it doesn't work. I know people have done a lot, everything nearly and they get cancer, but it's, you know, a lot of it, it's up here, emotional, the emotional state we're in, the, the, uh, you know, exercise is important. You know, people uh, need to do at least exercise in moderation. You don't want to wear yourself. If you have cancer, you don't want to wear yourself down. But you yeah, need- and, and exercise can be yeah. taking a walk outside after breakfast yeah. and after dinner and maybe getting a little bit cold and not bundling up completely. It doesn't when I, whenever whenever I hear exercise, I think strong man or running marathons, but it's really actually the gentle exercise that yeah. is most helpful. And that's what they're doing in these parts of the world where people are living to over a hundred, they're just walking and doing chores. They're not running marathons. <laughs> no, as, as you get older, I mean, I'm getting older and I don't, I used to be a runner, you know, I don't run anymore, but I do other things. I exercise regularly. Uh, you know, it's good because you feel better. Uh, you're, you're moving out toxins, you know, you're sweating, hopefully a little bit, or, you know, just the oxygen oxygen is, is so wonderful. And most people will have a state of hypoxia also, which is low oxygen. A lot of these people that have cancer a lot of times and the cancer cells do not like oxygen and they live in a trashed out environment. And, uh, you know, just like parasites would are yeast and fungus. They live in a, an environment that are, is not a healthy environment or they wouldn't be, they probably wouldn't be there but uh, so people really need to check out their parasites, make sure they don't have parasites, intestinal parasites, make sure that they don't have a overgrowth of fungal and yeast 
in their bodies from, and that's usually caused from bad diet or too much sugar, which, you know, you got to cut the sugar down, you know, you got to get rid of as we've talked about, but you know, the thing about it is the other thing that's very important for detoxification on a regular basis, if people can do it is get a far infrared sauna because the sauna is relatively inexpensive. You can get a portable sauna for, for a lot less than one of these big, you know, walk in, sit down type saunas. Have you seen those ones that they're almost like a sleeping bag sauna? Yeah, I've seen those. I've I've got one that is a you sit in, your head's out, and you know it's small. I like it. I've had the other one, but I like it because it heats up really fast and you sweat like like the Dickens, I tell you, and you feel good because you can get a blood test. And you can find our different tests like mercury and stuff like that. It starts to really go down with all this. I mean, a lot of people have mercury. They got to get their teeth checked out, you know, like their, their mercury amalgams. If they've got any of that in their body, they in their teeth, they've got to get that out. They have root canals. There's a lot of evidence that shows that that root canals are very toxic to, to one system and something called cavitations uh, from uh, extractions of teeth, uh, periodontal ligaments, you know, that are under those extracted teeth have to be removed properly. People should really get their teeth checked out by a qualified biological dentist. And in the back of my book, there's, there's, uh, they can get, uh, find these people. They can find out the different organizations that will give them, uh, the information they need to find one in their area. Uh, I've interviewed some uh, some of the top dentists in the country, uh, maybe in the world, and uh, they can check that out. That's going to be. I just interviewed. So they'll be out in a couple of weeks. On my, I side. got a question on that. Are they recommending before going and getting your teeth cleaned or for procedures the vitamin C for a week or two before you go into the dentist too? Uh, I don't know about that, but they recommend uh, vitamin C drips, uh, a lot of them after you get your mercury amalgams removed is to start to, to and vitamin C helps chelate these heavy metals out of your system also. So, I mean, there's so much that people should do, but you know, ozone, is very powerful. You know, there's certain ozone treatments. I, ozone vitamin drips, I mean, not vitamin, ozone uh, uh, drips, you know, are very healthy. And and um, uh, I do that from time to time. And ozone saunas and and uh, there's uh, the uh, hyperbaric is very good for oxygen. If people want to do it all out, I mean, you know, if, you, if you're going to just do all these things and eat, change your diet and detoxify and and get your head in order and start to believe in what you're doing and, and, uh, you know, sing a happy song every day. I like to say sometimes, and, you know, have a, have a, uh, more balanced lifestyle and, and, uh, really try to, uh, avoid as much stress as they can, which isn't easy to do, but, you know, and I mean, I think people would probably have a good chance of preventing cancer, you know, in their lifetime. And a lot of people think, oh, well, my father, my mother had it or whatever. But that's the majority of that is is, you know, self-induced. Ninety percent of it's self-induced. Ten uh, percent is somewhere around there is hereditary. And, you know, we might have these tendencies that my mother had or my father had to, to want to sit on the couch or my tendency of 
that that uh, my mother was stressed out over everything or I had a lot of anxiety or whatever. But, you know, the thing is, is that we can overcome anything if you put your mind, body and soul into it, I can tell you. And, you know, people just if they read my book and did some of these things and really understood what they have to do. I mean, it's easy to read. There's a lot of good things. They would understand what they have to do to prevent cancer. Most hopefully, anyway, we'll say that uh, there's a good chance that they would prevent cancer. And if they, God forbid, got it, they would understand the things they need to be looking for. And uh, and I think that mo- it's it's a nice thing if they can, you know, um, find a doctor they really can work with. That's that's a naturally oriented doctor. Uh, some of the ones. I've interviewed are great and someone that that will uh, really take a take a, uh, you know, kind of a, a interest in your case and not feel like you're just a number like I did when I was in the hospital under conventional uh, medicine. I just felt like I was a number. And, you know, it's like, OK, well, you know, we're all going to die someday. Well, we'll do the best we can, but this is all we know to do. I mean, I just think there's got to be a better way than that for people. And I really I mean, there's so much they can do. And nowadays and I mean, you can go to the battle with a lot of weapons in your back pocket. I can tell you a lot more than I could. I mean, it takes a little time. It takes a little money. It takes a little a lot of effort, but it, overall, it sounds pretty easy. It just takes the time and the energy to do it. And, and it's hard. Sometimes people have to make tough decisions and make changes in their life. Maybe they have to take some time off from work. Maybe they have to, you know, have, you know, uh, take a year or two off and just really buckle down and, and, uh, and knock heads with it. And, but uh, I just think that, that the body's out of balance. That's what it is. And it's giving you a warning that, hey, you got cancer. Cancer is nothing more to me than the body being out of balance. Everything's gone a little haywire and we got to We got to, you know, get get with it and and get the sleeves up, rolled up and and uh, go out there. I mean, it's it ain't going to happen in two weeks. It's not going to happen in two months. But I guarantee you, after three months of a lot of these programs, you'll start to feel so much better. And you start to believe then, and when that kicks in, that's probably 50% or more of it is believing and, and being excited and not being down and feeling sorry for yourself. I'm so grateful for your positive message on this. And it's an area we don't hear a lot of positivity around and when it can make such a difference, if you can be positive and if you can laugh and make it fun. And I, I think you found a way in your story to make it fun and entertaining while being serious and equipping folks with tools to help. And even if you don't have cancer, these things in small doses can help you and make you feel better. And you may not realize how much better you can feel than you do right now in any state that you're in. We can always do better. And it becomes a fun game of exploring really and having an adventure with your health and enjoying the process oh, yeah. of getting well. So, yeah, and I mean, sometimes it's the best thing can ever happen to somebody. And that sounds terrible. People would say to me, how I dare you to say something like that? But I felt the same way at the beginning. Then 
I said, this is the best thing ever happened to me because it made me start to see the most important things in life, you know, in a different way. I mean, not just your health, everything's not your health. There's the spiritual aspects, the, the psychological aspects, the, the, you know, everything that goes along with that, the, 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 the just feeling like you're doing the best you can for yourself and taking care of yourself and having your life in your own hands and not your health and life in somebody else's hands all the time. There's a sense of freedom, a sense of, 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 uh, of uh, this feeling. I can't explain it, how much better you can feel. And, and, and it almost, you almost feel like you're invincible, kind of like you did when you were young a little bit, not saying we are, but it gives you that closer feeling. It's like people that exercise a lot when they're when they're young and they know what they know nowadays. There's so much you can do. I mean, most of those people feel pretty good. They're not they're not too depressed acting. They they because they're detoxifying and their their circulation, their limp, everything is moving the toxins out. And they you know sleep better. And eight hours of sleep at night is essential to get the rest. Your body has to rejuvenate. It has to rebuild. And I like to tell people that. If you're not sleeping eight hours of sleep at night, then why? You got to figure out why that is and get get to sleep. Maybe you need to take more magnesium. You know, I recommend people take, you know, probably 800 milligrams of magnesium every day. And sometimes, you know, the right kinds of magnesiums and, and you know, something that to help relax. And there's a lot of other things out there, but but people, their body's got to, it needs to be, uh, nourished. It's got to be replenished. It's got to be detoxified. It's got to, you got to use supplementation, you know, on a regular basis because you just can't get enough in just a diet anymore. I've never seen, like when I was on that macrobiotic diet, you know, I, I was taking vitamin C that I learned about. No one really knew I was doing that. I did other things, you know, but I didn't know a lot then. So I was discovering a little as I went along and first I got to make in my mind, know that I was going to make it this, this, uh, anxiety out of my system as much as I could. It never goes away. Life is a scary thing sometimes, but, but I just feel that, uh, there, there's so much people can do now. And once they see and understand it, they'll say, this isn't so hard. It makes sense. This is common sense. And, uh, it really is. And, uh, the hardest part is, you know, you got to cook. You got to take care of somebody does needs to be eating. But why, if we have a family, why wouldn't we want our family to be healthy too? So then, then down at the fast food restaurant all the time or the, you know, the, the, and, and water's important. People should, you know, that's the most important thing you put in your body every day. So make sure you've got a really good filtration system. You know, I, I have some that I like, but you know, there's a lot of different systems out there and people really, really should have a good, clean uh, water that they're drinking. Water f- filtration is, is essential, you know, and, and uh, just like a healthy diet and, you know, good sleep and, and exercise on a regular basis, as, as we say. But it's, it's life is, is, you know, a long life is obtainable. You just got to do what it takes. You know, it's like me all these years. I'm never just quit. I'm constantly doing something. I'm not like I was then, but you know, it's like 
if I get away from it for a few weeks, I'm on the road traveling or something, which has been hard here lately. But, you know, it's just like I bear down when I get home, start, you know, get back in the saunas and get back in the, you know, I did an ozone sauna this, this morning and yesterday I did the infrared sauna. So I don't do, you know, you can't do every day. There's a, a method to the madness, but uh, it's, but, you know, and I exercise every day and I, and I eat healthy and sleep eight hours. That's my thing. I, I mean, I just say, I got to get my sleep, you know, and I'm not, I don't, uh, I don't cut corners other than if I have to go to the airport at three in the morning or something, but you know, yeah. you try. So, and, and I appreciate so much you sharing this and I'd love to have you on and go more in depth into all of these things because we could geek out a lot and go deep and we could also share the basics that folks can take away. But yeah. where can we learn more about you and support the work you're doing? And then is there anything else you want to leave us with before we wrap up here? Well, I think I think the main thing is, is that uh, uh, people can find out about me more at Templeton Wellness Foundation. And, uh, and they can also learn about our restaurant guide. We have a restaurant guide, the healthiest restaurants in America. It's called Templeton List. And we've spent, I don't know, several years working on that. We've got um, almost 4,000 restaurants of the healthiest farm to table organic restaurants in America. So there's no excuse if you're traveling, not eating healthy. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be as the same as if you're at, you know, in your kitchen, maybe, but there's some of them out there now that are pretty good. And the people that own these restaurants are pretty serious about, about providing the best of the best. So check it out, templetonlist.com. Uh, that's part of our foundation. It's all nonprofit. Uh, we, we, you know, love people to check it out. We love to, for them to send their friends or family, people that are going through cancer or just want to learn more about, you know, prevention uh, it's, it's there and we're, we're building that up. We've got tons and tons of articles, blogs, articles on every subject that I think are important. Uh, a lot of things we talked about today, you can get more in depth with, with a lot of this through, through the blogs that I wrote and, uh, through the articles. I mean, we've literally got, uh, you know, I don't know how many, we've probably got over a hundred on there now, but, but, you know, you, there's a lot on there and, this is something that I, I feel that uh, if I can help one, they can help somebody else. And, and I guess what I'd like to say is uh, kind of the most important thing, if you're going through cancer, if, you're, if you get a diagnosis and they say there's not much hope for you, because that happens a lot. People have, whether it's pancreatic, whether it's small cell lung cancer, there's a lot of that going around now. Uh, there's so much you can do. And I mean, there's, there's unbelievable things. If you check out on, on our site, uh, there's actually something else that's, there's a lot of promise with that we didn't talk about. It's called finbendazole, which is a, uh, canine dewormer that people are actually getting unbelievable results with. I've interviewed, uh, a man by the name of Joe Tippins. And uh, three times, and he's the guy that kind of started this, this, this movement with his, uh, and there's, edu- there's research behind it. It's not like it's just, you know, like woo-woo stuff. But check that out, Finn Mendes off, you have cancer. This is something 
everybody should be probably taking if they have cancer and maybe if they want to prevent cancer, I think it's something to look into. I'm not going to tell you to do it because I don't know each individual, but you got to know about it. Finbendazole is very, 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 it's, it's, uh, it's uh, the thing like your the veterinarians give your dogs or you can, and I've taken it many times. So it's something to look into and it's easy to do. It's not all you need to do. You need to do other things, but uh, there's some amazing interviews about that. And, I like to throw that out because a lot of people don't know about it and uh, it's important. But the other thing I'd like to say is if you're going through that, that diagnosis uh, and it's scary and I know it is, uh, especially if it's a stage four like me or stage three or whatever it is, it's none of it's good. But if you're going through it, there's so much you can do nowadays as we've been talking about. And uh, you know, you've got to, you know, meditate about it, pray about it. Uh, you know, you'll know when you find the right thing. You don't need to be talked into it by me or anybody else. You're going to know that um, uh, that this sounds right to you. But if I can do it, and all these other people have done it, you know, and gotten well, and there's a lot of them. And unfortunately, uh, I would like to interview more people, but it's hard to find them all the time out there. They're out there, but you know, they've done all kinds of different things. And uh, you know, some people do things from the past, like Laetrile and this and that, but they've done very well with these things. And it's not all they do. You, you can't do just one thing. Usually some people have, but I recommend doing a lot of these things that are in my book or, or at least as many as you can do. But if I can do it and they can do it, then then you can too. There's always hope. Don't think that your life's over just because you, as long as you have the will, the strong will, that cancer fighting, that fighting will, that fighting uh, energy within you that you need, that you're willing to roll up your sleeves and make some changes in your life, then then uh, then it's there. It's obtainable. And and uh, I just I've I just want you to know that never give up uh, because someone says there's nothing else they know to do. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, James. Thanks for listening to this episode of the James Quandall Show. The show notes for this episode and other goodies can be found at Quandall.com. Are you enjoying the show? If you are, please subscribe and leave a review. I may end up reading your review live on the next episode. Subscribing, leaving a review, and telling your friends about the show is the best way to support me and help the show grow. See you next time. Music.